All right. Hey, guys. Um, welcome to another edition of Culture Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. Man, what a week it's been. What a month it's been. Um, as you guys know, if you've been listening to the podcast consistently, I'm working with a bunch of other energetic young people to put on a virtual event called People of Culture. So I guess before I get into anything, let me just plug that real quick. Again, uh, People of Culture is an event for Africans and it's going to hold virtually. Um, if you're interested in like African music, you know, um, African history, um, we have a whole bunch of stuff happening on February 27th at 6 p.m. Central Time. I encourage you to go to the website pocevent.com to register we have performances from i think like 12 different african countries something like that madagascar sudan guinea nigeria ghana south africa all these countries so it'll be pretty cool i'll go to pocevent.com again to register having said that i don't necessarily have a guest well technically anyway today because the last few weeks like i said it's been pretty busy trying to put this event together uh, we have a panel for the event uh, we have a guest speaker for the event as well uh performances like i mentioned so you know organizing the tech because we're going to be streaming it uh from zoom and twitch simultaneously so it's just a lot of moving parts you know um we're also you know if you there are free tickets available but if you have like a paid tickets we also have to you know work with our logistics provider to deliver like t-shirts and some other cool stuff depending on the tier of tickets you buy um, so it's just a lot. So I haven't really had time for culture class to like, you know, get a guest and whatnot. I do have a new producer now, uh, Mosape. Uh, maybe you guys will get to meet her uh, on one of the episodes really soon. But she's, uh, you know, also trying to, uh, you know, morph into that role. You know, she was pretty much thrown into the ocean, you know, to try to find me guests and help with the creative direction of the show. So what I have for you guys today day is an old episode um it's an old episode but it's with a very interesting individual i think i recorded this in july i want to say june or july 2020 so mid-year last year smack in the middle of the pandemic um at first i, I was going to publish it that same week uh because she released a book and she was having like a book run promo run for her book so i was gonna you know, hop on the promo run bandwagon and and do everything but i was trying to i think i was trying to like book a second interview view or something so i could like extend the interview because i think we just had like 25 minutes to talk and something like but that didn't end up happening but it was still a great interview so i have arlen hamilton on the podcast uh, for those of you who are interested in alternative finance particularly venture capital arlen is a very interesting figure so she's the founder and general partner for backstage capital backstage capital is a venture capital firm in the u.s that invests in you know people of color underserved or minority founders and people from the lgbtq community arlen is a black woman uh, she's gay she you know had her start in the music industry and then she tipped over to venture capital to finance so it's a pretty interesting story you know she's been featured on all these publications uh forbes you know name it she's been there i think she was on the cover for i think it was 
Entrepreneur Magazine or something. Uh, just recently, I think Mark Cuban uh, invested like $5 million in her fund. She started like Backstage UK. She got married, I want to say, last year. So a lot of things have happened just before and even after the interview. Um, so forgive me if um, it's, the interview sounds a little dated, but she's gone on to do, you know, huge things. I think she partnered her venture capital firm, Backstage Capital, partnered with Republic to raise, I think, a million dollars from the public. First time it's ever done. So the way venture capital works, uh, you know, you have limited partners. Those are limited partners are people who fund your fund, for lack of a better word. Like they give you money to start your venture capital firm. So if you're starting off with like a 10 million, let's say I want to start Culture Ventures, for instance. My name is Nosa. I'm going to be the general partner of Culture Ventures. I go to all my rich uh, friends or I go to universities or family offices or endowments or whatnot and tell them, hey, I want to start a $10 million fund. I'm going to call it Cultural Ventures. They're going to ask me, what's your thesis? I'm going to say, oh, my thesis is I'm going to invest in people that do business in Colorado. Well, that's pretty interesting. Why just Colorado? Oh, because Colorado has uh, XYZ, XYZ. This is why I'm going to focus only on Colorado, invest no else. They're going to say yes or no. And this person says, okay, out of the $10 million, I chip in $1 million. This person says, I'm chipping in $2 million. I'm chipping in $3 million. I'm chipping in $4 million. I get my 10 million, I use that money to invest in, I don't know, 100 startups, 50 fail, 30 do all right, 10 do above all right, 10 become fantastic companies. And that's how I, you know, return the fund, you know, get money to pay back my limited partners over the span of usually like 10 years while taking management fees of like 2% a year. So this is pretty much what Arlen Hamilton does. Um, so yeah, um, you guys listen to the interview. Uh, tell me what you think. I am interested in a bunch of, uh, when you listen to the interview, you, you hear me talking a lot about venture capital. I'm, I'm a geek to this stuff a little bit. I am interested in a, in a, <laughs> slew of industries obviously media because i have a podcast and you know i have uh, other ideas for media ventures in the near future and the reason why you know i'm starting with media a lot of people know me with media like from the podcast and doing stuff because media has a very low barrier to entry like i don't need anyone's i don't need anyone to fund me all i need is like a good logo good website good instagram page good podcast whatever and i'm off to the races um however i'm interested in other industries i'm interested in transportation which i have something i'm working on and probably, you know, tell you guys about it when the time is right. I'm interested in finance, you know, particularly venture capital. You know, I've always had this idea of how can, um, you know, Nigerians in diaspora or Africans in diaspora, you know, set up a fund to invest in companies back home. So I've always been interested in that. And funny enough, I'm going to be talking about this with the girls from the Africa Lipso podcast. I think we're scheduled to record in like an hour from now. So I'm just knocking this out before then. Uh, we're going to be talking about Nigerians in diaspora, remittances and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, I digress. I'm interested in transportation, interested in media, interested in finance, um, interested to an extent in nonprofit, and interested in technology as well. So, um, you know, <laughs> trying to kill like 10 birds with two stones there. But um, yeah, uh, let me guy, let me know what you guys think of the Arlen Hamilton interview. Um, you can go to, and she says this in the interview, but you can go to her website. It's uh, it's about damn time. 
Um.com um, and you know check out her book and her documentary and other things she's been doing. Again, that's it's about damn time.com, which is funny because it's about damn time I released this interview. So yeah, you guys uh, enjoy um next week Saturday. This episode is probably gonna be published on Monday. So the Saturday of the 27th at uh, 6 p.m. Central Time, you know, register for your tickets at POCEvent.com. Let's have a great outing. And then the week after that, we resume our regular scheduled programming. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Welcome, guys, again. And like I was saying, I have uh, Arlen Hamilton on today's episode. And I just want to thank you for doing this. I mean, you've been an inspiration to me for the longest time. I mean, since I, I listened to an episode of the Startup Podcast a couple of years ago. Uh, how's it been for you so far during the quarantine? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, it's been okay. It, there have been some harder days, especially early on, but I think I'm adapting and I think a lot of us are adapting. Um, and it's just important that we stay inside and we, we kind of do what we can. I'm so grateful for the people who make it possible for me to be able to work from home, who are delivering things and who are, are putting themselves in danger for that. So it's, it's, it's like every day is a little bit a uh, little bit of a struggle, but I I'm, I feel very fortunate. And you're in LA, right? Yes, I, I, I live in LA and, and have been locked in for several weeks. Yeah, I think things are a little calmer uh, out here in Denver, but in LA, I hear that it can get pretty rough. Uh, uh, I mean, besides, you know, being locked at home and, you know, things like that, how's the city doing in general? Obviously, there'll be a lot of changes, not a lot of people in the street, but how's the pulse of the city? Uh, kind of weird question. But. Yeah, it's weird because I know we're very fortunate to have such great weather most of the time. We've had some rain, but we're, we this is a really good time of year for LA. And so it's weird to see it so beautiful outside and not have the usual hustle and bustle. You do have cars on the road. So I, I, I live pretty high up in my mm. building so I can see pretty far out. You do have some cars on the road. I'm, I'm imagining and hoping that there are delivery people and that they're not just out for a joyride. But most mm. things have been early we were we were an early state so most most things have been closed down um and in my building which is usually quite loud not loud but like raucous you know right now it's so quiet really quiet and uh i i think for the most part uh we're all just really grateful that we took those measures so early so that there aren't there isn't an overwhelming as of day of this test of this recording there isn't an overwhelming amount of of people in hospital right now Got it, got it. Man, peace and love to everyone in LA and uh, all over the world uh, going through uh, this pandemic. So Ireland, you've really come a long way. I mean, I was trying to do some research uh, before the episode and, you know, um, from being homeless at one point, you know, owing your landlord a couple of months of rents, uh, I mean, to owning your own venture capital firm. And I say this because, like I said, I've been a big fan for a lot of years. I just completed an MBA uh, last year and I moved to the U.S. because of my MBA. And one of the reasons why I moved to the U.S. is because I wanted to look for a way to get into the VC industry or to fintech. So you're one of the people who I've been following for a long time. I mean, you're from Texas. You're, you're gay. You're black. You're a woman. You're all the things a traditional VC is not. And yet yes. you managed to start 
your own, not just working in a VC, you managed to start your own VC. So you had the general partner of Backstage Ventures. What what was that moment like? When did you realize, because you, have, you haven't always been in VC, right? There was a moment of realization where you uh, thought that, hey, you know, I could do well in a career like this. Uh, take me through that a little. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't so much I wanted to work in venture capital. Uh, yours is more intentional, wanting to work in that industry. Mine was more about, I want to get more funding and resources to underrepresented founders. The years of research that I did on venture capital led me to believe that it was the right entrance into doing that and the right tool method I could use to do that. And I tried at first to get a gig, like get a job in a VC firm and, and very entry level, but it's just, it was such a, it's very competitive no matter what, you know, even Tell if you have an MBA. It. Yeah, exactly. It's very competitive. <laughs> on, top, on top of that, they just weren't used to seeing people like me, not only because I was black and not in their network, but because because I was in a woman, but because I also like there are there are some people who are friends of mine who are black professionals and venture capital who went through really nice school uh, colleges and they mm-hmm. have degrees and they have more money and all of those things. I, so I was coming from a very different place altogether. And so it wasn't something that I felt, you know, after I tried, it wasn't something I could break into that way. So I said, I'm not going to sit around and wait for somebody to come save me and, and help. I'm going to turn this into what I want it to be. I want funding. Now is the time to do this. Uh, and that was, was a few years ago. So that was really it. I, I, um, I knew that fund had to exist. I knew that it needed to be, a, there needed to be a fund that invested in underrepresented founders. And this was in 2011 to 2015 where I was getting no's. And back then it was even worse than it is today, which is like people really weren't trying to, you know, really weren't listening to me. Uh, yeah. But there were people who were, who are, there are plenty of black venture capitalists. They're not enough, but there are plenty. It's just that um, the people who have my thesis and the people who, who have my background is far, few and far between. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I relate to the point, you know, you saying um, you're, you're, you don't look like uh, a venture. It's really difficult to get into a venture capital firm because I can remember the first few weeks of business school when I went to my career advisor and she was like, oh, what do you like to do? Oh, sorry, he was like, what do you like to do? I'm like, oh, I like to get into a venture capital firm. And the first thing he did was to Google A16Z. So that's Adresen Horowitz, one of the most popular venture capital firm out there. And he, he like went to their staff page and there was mm-hmm. no one black there. And there was mm-hmm. no one who was a person of color there. And it was like, this might be a little difficult. So first thing he said was, how do we hack our way into this industry? Because I don't think like it'll be re- really difficult like going through traditional ro- routes. And that's when I started doing more research and I, I discovered you and you actually hacked your way by like starting your own venture capital firm. I find that, you yeah. know, a year after leaving business school, I still haven't gotten into a VC firm. But just seeing stories like yours uh, really inspired me that, you know, there's still hope at, you know, being a player in the industry one way or another. Yeah, and I would look up Chris Lyons with a Y. He, he's he's a black man at, um, at Andreessen now uh, and has been for a while, but he's kind of moved up into the investing world. He went from being a chief of staff to being a partner. Uh, he's really interesting. Um, yeah, I would say, and I appreciate that I'm that I was an inspiration. That, that makes me very, very happy and it makes a lot of what I do worth it and a lot of what I've gone through worth it. Uh, if I were you, I would still keep looking for those gigs at, at the VC firms because you need to shake things up at those places. But I also yeah. would start thinking about like, how can you start, how can you start your own company or start something where you exactly. or work somewhere else where you're generating revenue so that you have investment money saved and then you can become the investor. 
Yeah, in fact, that that that's like the easier shortcut to venture capital. Just be a founder of a startup. There, eventually, either you get acquired or by a relationship with venture capital firms, you you then build those networks to eventually get into a venture capital firm or start your own fund of some sort. Uh, but let me talk about some of the traits that helped you get to where you are today. Obviously, um, you know, for listeners, and like I talked about earlier in the episode, you came from the music industry. But even before you go into the music industry, you grew up Jehovah Witness, right? Yeah. Is there a correlation between growing up Jehovah Witness and succeeding in a career such as uh, venture capital? No, no, no. There's not. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't associate with the witnesses. Uh, I consider it to be a cult, and it's a very damaging, mm. damaging religion. So I d- have no correlation to success. I mean, a lot of people, you know, consider uh, tons of religions to be, you know, not advantageous to, you know, mental health and things like that. But even as uh, bad as it was, uh, like you said, do you consider like, you know, those outreaches you probably did as a kid or, you know, uh, hearing the word no tons of times, you know, trying to go out there and, and, and preach and evangelize, things like that, just building up that confidence in your networking with people going out there to get deals? No, in, in, in that no I, know what you're, I know where you're going with it. <laughs> But no, I don't. Okay. It's like saying, do you do you consider the fact that you were uh, abused as a child uh, oh, wow. to be good for your mental health? No, I don't. I don't think it's great that. I, uh, but but I understand where you're why you're asking and where it's coming from because it has been mentioned in press before. It's just not mm. been mentioned by me. Other people have Got mentioned it. it for me, so I do not I do not say that. I I don't think there was anything good about it. Um, and yes, I was. I I did learn how to hear the word no. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I, I would hope that there would be other ways to learn that skill. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so what were some of the experiences you went through probably in the music industry, being a tour promoter, that kind of thing that you think helped you along the way in your current career? When you're working on the t- on these tours, especially the larger ones, well, actually the smaller ones too, like any of the, t- I've worked on tours that was just me and the artist and mm. it was weeks and weeks and weeks on the road together. And I've worked on tours where there were 50, 60 people on the tour on, and several tour buses. So I've worked all the way in the all mixture and you're working with different types of personalities with people who are very talented and very driven. And then you have people who have different agendas and different needs and being able to uh, talk to all types of people, like all backgrounds. Mm. I mean, all races across all socioeconomical, uh, socioeconomic uh, uh, backgrounds and, and profiles, culturally, people from all over the world, all working together to make one circus happen, you know, make one work thing work for that, for those few weeks or those few months or years. And I was in a position as a production coordinator and road manager where I really had to talk to every single person, had to be involved with all different departments because I was part of the team that moved people. There are people who worked on the music and the art and the craft of it. There are people who worked on the engineering, people who worked on on the production. I was working on the, the people. How do we get all those people, all those talented people from place to place? And um, having to understand them definitely has helped me in venture capital because I've, uh, th- there's very, there are very few personality types that I don't have experience with. And there are very few, uh, you know, also being on the road every day is different. Every single day is different. You yep. never know what's going to be thrown at you or what, because you're trying to do the same thing over and over again, but in totally different circumstances, every city. So it's yep. just, it's a, it's crazy a little bit. And so that really boosted and bolstered my, 
my ability to adapt really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I totally relate, man. I, when I was an undergrad, we did, uh, my brother and I floated an entertainment magazine and we managed an artist and did one or two tours. So I totally relate in that sense, uh, awesome. all those things, all those things you just mentioned. But let, let's talk a little bit about venture capital. So obviously, uh, influence from your touring days uh, with the name of your venture capital firm, Backstage Capital, you focus on investing in people of color, uh, underrepresented founders and people from the LGBTQ community. How is it like in Silicon Valley right now where all these funds and uh, all these investors are trying to paint a picture that, oh, they invest in minorities. So it's kind of like a PR stunt, right? Uh, kind of mm-hmm. like diversifying mm-hmm. their portfolio in a sense and not necessarily believing in these founders, just using it as a PR play. Do you come across situations like that? I mean, there was a situation, and this is neither here nor there, where Adresin created this fund with Kevin Durant and Will Smith, and people were looking at it and like, oh, is this really investing in founders, or is this like a PR thing? Uh, what do you think about uh, situations like that? I mean, t- t- separately, uh, what I'll say about that fund in particular, I mentioned Chris Lyons before. He is a black man at Andreessen, and he started that fund. And what I'll say about that without... Um, you know, advocating too much because they can speak for themselves is that they have never, you know, they came out and said, what we're doing is we are taking on investors, LPs who are of color so that they can have a piece of the pie of the things that we do. I think the media and press turned it into they're going to invest in underrepresented founders and then they kind of had to like lean into it so when it first came out I was all over that I was like I need to know everything about it because it's like exactly like backstage going on but it had a conversation and it was like no actually this is for the LPs to be of color and they can get in on our on our lift you know our lifts and our whatever we invest in so that's just separate again I'm not associated with them I just want to just say that I believe that was their intention I don't think they were trying to do something bigger than that um, and I think it kind of got away with as what you can understand and, and relate to separate from that 100% all the time it happens all happens all the time <laughs> that it. people are out there patting themselves on the back putting out Forbes articles but you know blog posts about how woke so, they so is are it, is it, is it kind of like uh, meet my one black friend kind of mentality kinda yeah, thing? yeah yeah it, and it's and it's because you know it's a lot of things it's like they know they're supposed to uh, you know backstage has put the heat up we've, we've, we've raised the bar but the problem is we know what goes on behind the scenes there's all kinds of back mm. channels and I don't understand why people don't get that there's all kinds of back channels so if you don't if you don't execute on what you on what you're saying that you're attempting to do do, or if you don't even attempt it, forget executing. Sometimes that's hard to do. But if you don't even attempt it, we're going to find out. And people, mm. our, our founders have 130 companies in our portfolio. We have Slack groups. We have private groups, whatever. We talk about fun, like investors who have done them wrong. So other founders are like, no, nah, I'm not going to touch them. I'm not going to have any of like uh, these high performing funds that are uh, high performing friends of ours who, who could go there, go there either. You're, it's it's uh it's really odd to me, but I I think that they're just trying to skip steps. And I I didn't mm. I didn't skip any steps, so you can't you can't come to me like that, you know. Like I get really personally offended when I see that. Got it, got it. Uh, let me talk about backstage a little bit. So obviously, you set a goal for yourself to invest in more than a hundred companies by 2020. I mean, you've since achieved that goal. What what is kind of next? What do you think is a natural progression for backstage besides what you do every day, which is like finding these underrepresented founders? Are you going to like venture out into other markets i know back- backstage uk was just launched uh, i think like last year are you going to be you know going into a specific niche uh what are you going to be doing with backstage in the coming year 
Yeah, well, well, it's, we'll see. Uh, I, I don't know yet. We'll, we'll see. But a lot of things have changed in the last six weeks. And yeah. all I know is that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be putting capital behind underrepresented founders until they're not underrepresented. Uh, you know, I'm going to just go into different categories. We've had corporations um, come to us and and uh, ask if they can do vertical funds with us in the health and the fintech space. That's something that we're exploring for this year and for next year. That would be something like a $10, $20 million fund that a major Fortune 500 company sits next to us and helps us co-manage. And then we help them uh, seek out deals and they put the, they front the money on that as a sole LP or as a anchor LP. To me, that's really interesting. And we can do that multiple times in different across different sectors and, and uh, industries. I would be interested in that. I'll keep looking at that. I'll look at, as I have been the past several years, figuring out how to get us beyond a, a $100 million fund, like get, get that so we can have uh, follow-on funding for our companies. But ultimately, to tell you the absolute truth, if it doesn't look like that, that's okay with me. I'm going to, um, and I'm getting just real frank with you. I'm going to make enough money on my own that I can back founders out of my own pocket. If that's what I need to do, that's what I'll do because I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to sit around and wait. Sorry, go ahead. I said, I'm not going to sit around and wait for everybody else to do Got it. it. Got it. And besides, you know, you, your success personally, you know, the people like us who you inspire, you know, the younger ones coming up are still part of your legacy. Um, I kind of like, like to ask every VC I interact with, like, do you think there's another exit and another kind of exit besides, you know, selling off your company? for hires or getting listed, maybe an IPO. Because um, we have like these companies like internationally, like I'm Nigerian, right? And we have these budging like startup scene, but our stock market is not developed as the New York Stock Exchange. And we don't have a lot of companies like Google looking to acquire like Nigerian startups. Do you think there can be another kind of exit? Is this something you have given any thoughts to at all? Or it's something yeah, I've I'm been a, pondering I'm a big, over for like a year? Yeah, I'm a big fan of, uh, of just kind of having things for yourself, having as much equity as you can about repurposing what success is and thinking through uh, not needing to be a billion dollar company. And so there are a few things that I think are going to be interesting in the future. It's going to be a lot of companies staying private and smaller for the for like much more than we would have expected. That's number one. I think there's going to be a lot of crowd equity funding or ec- equity crowdfunding, however you want to phrase it. There's going to be a lot of that. A lot of people, their customers be also being owners. So that's going to be big. A lot of angels that are going to be created and a lot that are going to take a little bit more of the range. And, and venture capital is going to take a back seat. I also, exchanges like the LTSE, the long-term stock exchange that was just approved uh, that uh, that Eric Reese's is over. I think that things like that, where they're looking at, you know, companies having 20, 30 years before they even do anything that wow. venture capital would expect them to do in seven, that's going to be interesting too. So all of those things, I think out of, out of those things, something will be different than what we've been used to. And this whole coronavirus situation has, has put a pause button on so much that have given the opportunity for this to actually happen. It's just this terrible thing that's happening right now, and it's only going to get worse for a while and then get better. But it, it will be uh, an impetus for uh, for change in the VC in the VC world. Got it, got it. Well, uh, thank you so much. I know you know you're pressed for time, but I just want to give you like a moment to. I know besides you know venture capital, you know you have your book, you have your podcast, yeah. you have a lot of things you're doing on the side. Uh, you could kind of uh, you know talk about your book a little bit or your podcast if you want to. Sure. Talk to follow you on social media, that kind of thing. Sure, I'd love for you to check out my new book, It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage. It's a it's a labor of love, and I really think that you'll get something from it if you listen to this podcast. So check it out.
check it out. You can go to itsaboutdamntime.com, pick up the book in many forms. You can also find my podcast on that website. The podcast is called Your First Million. I interview dozens and dozens of successful people who have made at least a million dollars or more or have done something else that included a million of those things to really break down how they did it and what was like what it's like once they're there. It's been uh, very emotional and much more than you would think in a fintech kind of uh, uh, environment, but it's been pretty life-changing for me to, to make those interviews happen. Again, it's about damntime.com has both of those, and I really encourage you to check it out. Yeah, and we'll have a link in the show notes uh, if you guys want to just click on that to check out uh, Arlen's book and podcast. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Arlen. Uh, you can follow Culture Class Podcast everywhere also at Culture Class Podcast on all platforms. Twitter is Culture Class Pod. Send us an email, cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com and tell us what you think about the episode. All right, guys, till next time. See ya.